Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plans, visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. It's kind of, it caught me off guard, the rain today. I, I like was not expecting rain. So I've got a, a truck, and, and the way I air out stinky hockey gear is I put it in the back of the truck. And, and I was up at early this morning, and then I looked out, and I'm like, it's raining. I ran outside and gathered all my wet. It's probably good, like fresh rain cleaning the smelly hockey gear that never gets clean. So it's probably a good thing. So, um, and the other thing is, Try not to steal my smelly hockey gear out of the back of my truck, okay? My, my wife's constantly going, oh, I can't believe you leave it back there. I'm like, who is going to take these? <laughs> Have you smelt them? She's like, yes, leave them in the back of your truck, you know? So, uh, so excited that you're here with us this morning. If you're a guest, welcome to Pacific Point Church. Uh, we are uh, just a group of people that are trying to live in love like Jesus. We're just, we're trying to be more like him each and every day. And and uh, uh, we are blessed with what God has given us and the people that are here in this church. We are, we are kicking off, or we kicked off last week, a new series in Ephesians. And we're, we're going through the book of Ephesians and kind of verse by verse and, or verse by verses. And uh, we're excited about being in this. And when you look at the book of Ephesians, Paul's purpose behind this, this book is, is doctrinal teaching. He's like, this is solid truth and doctrine. He, he wants to deal with the unity in the church. He wants to unify his church because there are different schisms in the church at different times. And, and practical living for a Christian, for you and I what it means to live like a believer. And he gives us these key themes of salvation by grace and unity and spiritual warfare and, and prayer. And, and he talks about marriage and parenting and, and, and even being a good employee. There are so many key and really just practical truths in this book that Paul gives us. I'm hoping that during the season as we're going through, you're also, as we are in our small groups, grabbing hold of, of Ephesians and reading and, and studying and looking at the notes. We do have, when you come in, there on the table, there are, are note pages that are specifically for Ephesians. If you ever want notes to take, you can grab them out there and you can take them as we go. Last week, we talked about Ephesians 1, 1 through 6. The blessings of Christ, God choosing. Did he choose us? Did we choose him? If you want to know what we said, predestination, free will, Arminianism, Calvinism, all these big church words, you can go back to listen to last week and we addressed all that. And then we talked about ultimately that we are for and to praise him and give him glory. That's what Paul did in that first couple of, uh, of verses. But this week, I started off with 1 through 10, and, and the deeper and deeper I got into this, I couldn't get out of 7. I was supposed to do chapter 1, 1 through 10, or 7 through 10, and it's just, it is so much. So uh, uh, this may be a table talk. I didn't bring the table up. Melvin asked me, but I didn't. It, what I mean by that with a table talk is it calms me down when I have a table in front of me. There's, this, there's Between you and me, there's a table. I'm not just yelling, and she's cringing already because she's worried about my... And, and fortunately, there's no one in the front row. To The splash zone is clear today, so we are good. 
Uh, let's read our scripture for this morning. And it says this in Ephesians 1, 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray for clarity. God, I pray that uh, you'd move everything in me aside and that Holy Spirit, you would speak. God, I pray even as we sang and worship today, Lord, that as we surrender who we are to you, that you, Holy Spirit, would speak to us specifically. God, we welcome you in this place this morning. God, there's an expectation that you would move in our lives. God, I am I, expecting for you to change me. Holy Spirit, that you would move in miraculous ways. That you'd heal the sick. That you'd restore the brokenhearted. God, that you would move in miraculous ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're, we're in this, this little piece. Ephesians 1, 7, Paul outlines the gospel of Jesus Christ. We regularly talk about the gospel, the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And here, Paul gives this outline for the gospel and what it is. Am I loud? Yeah. Am I echoey? Yeah. Okay, sorry, loud and echoey. <laughs> I can hear it up here. I'm like, I'm loud and echoey. Um, and, and, and Paul says these, in, in, in 1-7, there's these, these four specific things that he says. He says, in him, first of all, then he says, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, and then he says, according to the riches of his grace. Now, most of us, when we read the Bible, we don't break it down that way. But when you look at the way Paul is writing and what he is saying, we, we, we tend to just pass over the depth of what he really wants to say and do. And here, on, as we go through this book, we want to just kind of slow down a little bit and go, what, what was he really saying here? What was he saying to me? What is he saying to you? And in this passage, he gives this this overview, this, this deep picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As I've been preparing, I'm like, God, I believe you're going to move in miraculous ways as I prayed today. There's someone in here whose life is going to get changed forever. How do I know that? Because the Word of God is alive and active. You know, how do I know that? Because we sit back there and we pray every single week for you that God would move that he would do something spectacular. Let's look at this and break it down. The first thing he says is, in him. In him, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let me tell you emphatically this morning this. There is one way to the Father God. It is exclusive. Now that's going to offend someone in here today, but your offense is you need to be offended. The Bible says very clearly there's one way to heaven. That's it. And Jesus declares that right here. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You want to know what that does in our society today? That just tears people up. As a Christian, there are things that we hold on to. We talked about it last week that I'm not willing to compromise he, he says this, I am the way. Jesus is declaring himself as the exclusive means by which people can come to the Father. 
It's not by you being a better person. It's not by you saying your prayers at night. It's not by you reading this word an hour a day. It's not by you dropping money in that bucket, but please drop money in that bucket. It's not, it's not that you walk the old lady across the street. None of those things matter. They're good, and we want you to do them. But Jesus says, I am the way. He says, I am the truth. Jesus is not only the way to God, but he's embodiment of truth, of what is true in this world. And as the world starts to twist and turn and say, this is right and this is wrong and that and whatever it is, I've got to go back to somewhere that, that is truth, that, that I can look through, that I know that, that when what, what the world is saying kind of gets you crazy and thinking crazy ways, I go, no, 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 let me go back to the staple, this word of God, so that I might be true and right and straight. Jesus says, I am the truth. He says, I'm the life. Jesus is the source giver of eternal life. Through faith in him, believing, believers receive not only forgiveness of sin, but also the promise of eternal life. He says, I am the life. Jesus gives this eternal promise. I am the life. Let me tell you what's not the life. The life is not the next drug, the next drink, the next girl, the next guy, the next dollar, the next Whatever it is, fill in the blank. It doesn't give life. It's insatiable. The things that we're running after cannot satisfy your soul. Therefore, Jesus says, I'm the life. I'll bring satisfaction. Are you tired? Is anybody tired in here? Yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, especially living in this dang place, Orange County, you know. You live next to whoever, and you go, I gotta have that, I gotta have this, I gotta have this, my kids gotta do this, and they gotta, you know, and it's just, just this, this hamster wheel. And, 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 and Jesus says, Hold on, I bring life, not those things. Everything you're chasing after is gonna be emptiness. Solomon says it in Proverbs, and it, it, all these things, it's, it's not gonna matter. Jesus says, I am the life. And then he says, no one. This part of the statement is, is emphatic. Look, Christians, we cannot compromise this. We can't say, oh, you know, all religions, you know, lead to heaven. They don't. I know that makes some of you, you know, really uncomfortable. Sorry? No, I'm not sorry. <laughs> look, look, I'm not, I didn't, this is the word of God. It's not what, look, if it's up to me, let's have one big party, we all go. If it's up to me, everybody's qualified. You know why I would say that? Because I realize how disqualified I am. See, and if I can say everybody's qualified, what it does is it helps me justify my sin. When I say, no, 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 there's everybody, just be a good person and you'll go to heaven. It makes us feel good. The reality is this, that Jesus says, no one except through Jesus, gets to the Father. This is heavy. Chris, is, do I need a table? <sighs> okay. No. No, I don't want a chair. <laughs> table. <laughs> You're the best. Tracy is the best. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus said it. I didn't. But let me tell you, Christians, we need to start believing it. 
See, because when you believe, I don't look through, when you believe it, here's what's going to happen. It's going to change the way you see everything else. And you're going to start changing the way that you deal with others. And you're going to start realizing that there's a responsibility that you have as a Christian that you hold, knowing the truth. Number two, the gospel. He says this, we have redemption through his blood. We have redemption through his blood. Blood is, the, is life. It says this in 1 Peter 1, 18-19. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed for the em empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. The blood of Jesus is what saves me. It's the blood of Jesus that redeems me. We're going to use some words here, atonement and redemption and different things, these big Christian words, and you need to understand them as a Christian and what it means as you read them. But there's, there's something about this redemption that comes through the spilling of Jesus' blood. It's why we do communion each and every week to be a reminder of what Jesus did on the cross. It's why you need to, each and every day, have a reminder of what Jesus did for you on the cross. We don't just have to do communion on Sundays. It's a way of life. Redemption. What it, 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 this redeeming Savior that, has, that rescues you and me. Paul says that redemption comes just through Jesus. That's it. Comes through Jesus. Through Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross. His blood provides a forgiveness from sins that you and I might have redemption. You and I might have life. That you and I might have eternal life. See, when you hand your life to Jesus as not just your ticket to heaven, but you hand your life to Jesus, Lord and Savior, trusting in his redemptive work that he redeems you, we are forgiven for our sins and freed from the eternal consequences of our sin. We are redeemed. See, not enough of us, I, I, I had a buddy, a pastor, well, Jordan, you may have met him. I, he's been here. He's one of my mentors, just a great man of God. And, and years ago, he said, you know, I, I constantly keep this truth in front of my face. I said, what is it? He said, that I deserve hell. I thought, well, that's interesting. That, that'll make you for a good Saturday night party. Um, I deserve hell. And, 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 and we started wrestling through what that means. And it, something just clicked inside. And it's like, the, the truth is this, that you and I deserve hell. What is hell? Separation from God. That my sin will send me to hell. Now hang tight here, people, because some of you are going, dear God, why did I come to church today? This is not very much fun. Although we do have donuts back there, so go with it. This is a tough crowd today. It is. I'm telling you. Shoo. Uh, <laughs> Jesus redeems you and I in our sin. And he does this through atonement, reconciling us with the Father. What he does for us is he reconciles you and I to the Father. Our sin. I deserve hell, but God gives me life. Through his son Jesus, the atonement of his blood, reconciling me with God, that I might have life. Jesus' blood is the means by which atonement 
for sin is achieved. The Old Testament, the blood sacrifice, you know, we see the animals that were sacrificed, and you wonder, why were the animals sacrificed? Because the purity of that blood is the payment for our sin. It's the atonement to cover our sin. This is what Jesus does for us. The blood of Jesus is the atonement for your, my sin. And you're thinking, well, I've heard this message before. We talk about this message, but here's the reality. Hey, I'm preaching to myself. That regularly you need to be, that I need to be aware and look in the mirror and go, you know what I deserve? I deserve hell and God gives me life. It should, it should wake us up a little bit to the reality of what Jesus has done. That there's a, 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 a just a love and, and just appreciation for Christ Jesus. Number three, the gospel. He says this. The forgiveness of our trespasses. Colossians 2 says this, And you who were dead in the trespasses and uncircumcised of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all of our trespasses by concealing the record of debt and stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Our trespasses. What are our trespasses? Is our sins against God. Our trespass, your trespasses, is, is that, that sin against God. It's, it's what we, we talked about, what we, where we worshiped. Like, take all this stuff and take it to the cross and lay it at the feet of the cross. And Jesus forgives. Paul says this, the outcome of Jesus' redemption is the forgiveness of sins of our trespasses. Jesus' redemption, what Jesus did on the cross so that you could have life, that your sins wouldn't be held against you, that your sins would be washed away, that you could walk in freedom, that you could walk with no condemnation, that you could walk with no guilt, that you could have your head up, that you could leave this building and you could walk away completely free, not bound by religion. Forgiveness means that believers... Sins are pardoned or forgiven by God. Your sins are forgiven. Here's what we wrestle with. Can God really forgive that? Has anybody ever, th- has anybody ever thought, other than me, okay, just three of you, the rest of you are liars, but okay. Um, can, can God, how can God forgive me? How can he forgive me for that, fill in the blank, whatever that is? All of us have one of those that's, some of us more than others. I'm here to tell you that this Bible says that he forgives. Our sin is atoned for, and we are reconciled with God. Number four, the gospel, according to the riches of his grace, God's grace is abundant. God's grace is abundant. According to, he says, this phase indicates that according to all this scripture, according to Genesis through Revelation, through everything that he says, that, that, that forgiveness, his forgiveness and his grace is abundant beyond what you can imagine, beyond what you can even think of, that God's, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm in worship and I'm trying to examine my life and I'm going, oh God, is there anything that I need to look at in my life before I go up and preach a message like this? Is there anything that I need to be forgiven for? And it's like, ah, uh, stuff just flowing in. I know you guys don't have stuff flowing in, but the stuff is flowing in. I'm like, oh, God, I need you grace according to what your word says. I'm sure I just made some of you really happy about your pastor up here praying forgiveness before he goes up there to... It's a tough crowd today. Are you guys doing all right? You guys got things together. I'm like... 
his riches of grace. Paul is highlighting the abundance and the boundless nature of God's grace. His grace is immeasurable and overflowing. Overflowing. Grace is God's unmerited favor extended to you and I. His grace is extended to you. There's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you did to deserve it. We talked about there's nothing you can do. It is a gift from God. Grace is this, as if I took something, a gift, and I handed it to you. And you have the ability to receive it or reject it. You have the ability to say, I will take and receive or go, no, I I want nothing to do with that. That's God's grace. And it's abundant. See, that's the gospel news. The good news of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. So so the question is then, why is the message so important? Why is this gospel message so important? And if it really is that important, how how come the church doesn't truly live in it as she should? Why is it important? It's forgiveness. this, this, This word, this Jesus, he offers you and me the experience of freedom. Freedom. Some of you here, and, and I've done the same, have asked God forgiveness for the same sin 50 times. And God goes, here's what the Bible says in Isaiah. It says, he throws our sins as far as the east to the west and remembers them no more. Therefore, when you go, oh, Jesus, can you please forgive me again? He goes, what are you talking about? The Father goes, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't remember. Some of us need to just forgive ourselves. And, and, and whatever that sin is that you just, God, help me forgive. There, there's, there's something that, that I did years ago, and it has to do with investments and, and houses and stuff like that. So don't, don't go crazy with your thoughts. Um, and I, <laughs> I just, I, I, this is, I've had to forgive myself because of the foolishness of decisions that I made. And I just keep beating myself, and I'm like, God, forgive me for not seeking you. God, forgive And it's like I've got to keep coming back. Okay, no, I'm forgiven. No, I'm forgiven. I don't have to beat myself up over this. Number two, why it matters today? Reconciliation. Through Jesus Christ, the gospel message teaches that the separation can be bridged, that I don't have to be separated from the Father, that I don't have to be separated from the creator of heaven and earth, that I can have life and that I can walk with him, that I have relationship and that it's restored. Why is it important? Why is the gospel important? It's important because I'm not separated from the creator of heaven and earth. I'm walking with him. Why is the gospel important? It's transformational. This word, this gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ changes your life. The gospel transforms us. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are renewed. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm not the same man I was yesterday. You're not the same woman you were last week. I'm not the same man I was two years ago. And I pray to God that I won't be the same man in the next couple of weeks coming, the next couple of months coming, the next couple of years coming. That God will continue to renew me. That he'll continue to change me. That he'll continue as I press into his word and seek him to take Take those things that have a hold of me, that he'll, they'll, they'll fall off as I submit them to him, as we sang about earlier during worship. Transformation. God transforms us. I don't have to be what I was. 
Number four, there's hope. We're living in a time where hope is, is dwindling. See, we, we put our hopes in government. We put our hopes in, in, in sports. We put our hopes in finances. And, and all of it's, 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 it's pretty shaky right now. See, this, this gospel message provides hope beyond all of that. Beyond everything that, that is stirring inside of you. Why, why is this gospel needed today? Because it brings purpose and meaning. This gospel, when you understand what, it, what Jesus has done in your life, when you understand that what you deserve is hell, but what God gives you is life, then what should happen with inside of you as you read this word, as you eat this word, as you dissect and as you allow God to do what he does in your life is this, that you'll be a different person. And the purposes that you walk in will be just as God had called you to. I, I use this example, and I, I've used it here before, and I'll, I'll use it again. But it's, it's this, about uh, Christianized, it's true, but it is true, I promise you, because I have the stage and I have a microphone. So therefore, it is true. We're in, in Austin, Texas, and, 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 and she's putting up a picture. You remember this? Oh, see, I told you it's true, she remembers it. And, and she's hammering a nail into the wall, and she has a wrench. She's hammering a nail. Hold, hold the thought. I, it, it, it's working. It is absolute. But I come home and I'm like, Chris, what are you doing? You have a wrench and you're hammering a nail into the wall with the wrench. And, and she's like, said, it works. Until it, it doesn't. See, he, here's the deal. The wrench works. And for some of us right now, it's working. But the wrench was never created to hammer a nail into the wall. And at some time, it will break. Because that's not what it was forged to do. You take a hammer, it'll nail nails into the wall into eternity. You take a wrench, some of us, and you're trying to do things and purposes in our lives right now that God never called you to, that you know you're not supposed to be in the middle of, and you're hammering, you're going, well, this seems to be working, until it doesn't. When you find the purpose of God in your life, it's like that hammer, just nailing, just nailing. And it just feels, you know when you hit a nail perfect into the wall, into a piece of wood? Does anybody, you know what I'm talking about? Not when you hit it in the drywall and it goes straight through and your hammer goes through the drywall too. When you hit the, the nail and it goes right into the piece of wood and there's just this feeling of like, this is good. And that's what God's purpose is like in our lives. When you hit that nail and it goes into the wood, when you do exactly what God has created you to do, something happens. It's, it's that chariots of fire. You, you remember the movie. He's like, uh, what was his name? Eric. Eric Little. He says, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. When's the last time you felt God's pleasure in the middle of what you're doing? Uh, one of the salesmen who's here came to know the Lord. Uh, the director of my department came to know the Lord. The CEO of the company is, is com comes to church and, and is, is giving me the freedom to preach the gospel at work. I was gone this weekend at a, at a conference with, with our, our sales reps, and, and I didn't go, Jesus loves you or anything, but just living the life that God has called you to, and people go, what the heck's different? Because there's purpose and meaning. See, see your purpose and what you're doing, it isn't about you. It's about others. It's about others. Some of you sitting in these jobs, you go, what the am I doing? 
And God's going, open your eyes. Give me a chance. Number three, or, or six, whichever comes first. Um, it's funny, it, I, I put together all of our training stuff this weekend, and I, it was one, two, three, four, eight. Five, six, seven, eight. Doug, who, who he's like, what do you do? What, what? He's like, let's see if anybody notices. I, yeah, numbers and letters and organization doesn't come easy to me, and although I'm helping run a business. <laughs> That's great. Uh, community and fellowship. The gospel brings unity and strengthens us. This enables us to support one another in our faith journey. The gospel brings community. Look, community doesn't just happen on Sundays. Some of you think that community just happens on Sundays twice a month. It doesn't. It happens outside of this. It happens at small groups. We're signing up or getting ready to do small groups. Community and life happens in small groups. It happens when you come together with a group of people and you do life with them and you share life with them and you share a meal with them. And you, it, a community happens in the fellowship you, when, when you have uh, something you know, that you do and you have a group of men or a group of, 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 of women that come together and, and talk about shared beliefs around Jesus and what you're doing. But community and fellowship is critical. The reason the gospel is important, number seven, is ethics and a moral framework. Look, the gospel provides that framework. The word of God is the lens through which you should see everything. This word is the lens through. This should sit right in front of your face, and you should look through it when you're making a decision about life. And when I haven't done that, it has cost me. When I do that, God gives grace. And some of you are looking to make some decisions today. Some of you have to make some big decisions. Some of you are in the middle of something. And I'm telling you, put that scripture, put the Bible in front of you, look through the lens of this word and the truths of God's word and what it says, then make the decision. Because this word is everlasting. This word is true. The gospel of Jesus is true. The good news of his death, burial, and resurrection. Why is the gospel most important in eternity? I'm not going to go through eternal fellowship. We have a heavenly home. Heaven is a place that God promises freedom from suffering. Some of us are suffering right here, right now, physically, emotionally. But the hope of eternity is God's freedom from that. No more tears. I love Revelation that says, I will wipe away every tear. There'll be no more pain and there'll be no more suffering. Some of the pains that you guys are holding today will be gone someday. And God will completely restore unfathomable love. God being eternally and expressing his love to each one of us. Hope and assurance that you and I can have hope and assurance. This is the gospel that Paul talked about in Ephesians 1.7. He says this, in him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the richness of his grace. For some of you in here today, you don't know that relationship. Maybe you don't have that relationship and hope of Christ Jesus. The Bible says this, that today is the day of salvation. This confession of faith in Jesus is out of Romans 10, 9 through 10. And it says this, you want to know this creator? You want to know the hope of this gospel? You want to know Jesus? 
He says this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it says you will be saved. From what the heart one believes and is justified with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Today is the day of salvation. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, the Bible says this, that if I just confess, say, God, I'm done being in control. God, I believe that your son died on the cross and, and, and redeemed my life. God, I, I'm confessing you as Lord and believing in my heart that God, you, you raised Jesus from the dead and you can raise me. If that's you today, if you want that relationship today, you pray that prayer. God will give you eternal life with him. The hope of the gospel, the good news of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. The hope of the gospel. This is a time as the musicians come up, we, we receive communion. And uh, communion is, is, as we said, a, a holy moment, a holy time where we take who we are and we sit before the Lord. We receive communion every single week. And the reason we do it every week is because the Bible says when you come together to receive my body and my blood. So this morning, first, if you made a profession of Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to tell you that today is the day of salvation, that you have eternal life, the hope of Christ Jesus. And when you receive communion, the bread and the blood, let it be a confirmation, a reminder of what Jesus did for you. If you already have that relationship with Jesus, but maybe God spoke something to you today, that as, as you receive communion, as you receive the bread that represented his broken body for you, as you receive the, the, the juice that represents his blood, just take a moment and, and, and just in, close your eyes and as you sit before Jesus, just hand whatever it is you need to and hand it to him. Pray a prayer that says, Lord, take this. So, Father, we come before you this morning. God, I thank you for the hope that's in your word. I thank you for your son, Jesus. And God, as we go to receive the elements, the bread and the, the wine, God, I just, I take my stuff and put it at your cross. God, I pray for anyone in here that today is their first day, that, that they prayed that prayer to allow you, Jesus, to be Lord of their lives. God, for everyone else that, that prayed, that, that Lord, that, that we would take our stuff and just lay it at the foot of the cross. Father, I thank you that you are faithful in all, in all that you do. Thank you for the bread that represents your body and the blood.
blood that represents your covenant. In Jesus' precious name, amen.